This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Wednesday, November 25th, 2020, the day before Thanksgiving. Hi there, Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this, what amounts to be about 52 minutes of observations, insight, and sometimes a bit of absurdity. Glad you're along for the ride today. Good to have you here. Thanks to those of you who came along for the ride uh, for the live version. We are live on YouTube this morning, as is usually the case nowadays. Let's see. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I just um, I just a- actually checked and and YouTube just shut me off for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway, we'll we'll fix that out. That. <laughs> We'll fix that up as soon as we possibly can. But uh, live on YouTube, and uh, for those of you in the world of podcasts, thanks for joining in whenever or wherever that might have happened to be. It's a uh, it's a blustery looking day in our neighborhood. We've got some wet weather rolling in, and I'm not really sure exactly uh, how that's going to pan out today. But hey, you know, you do what you can with what you got. It's going to be a decent day. Regardless, I mean, a lot of people will be spending the day getting ready for tomorrow. A lot of kitchens will smell wonderful today. And uh, as people will be baking their desserts and and uh, doing all kinds of great stuff for their Thanksgiving get-togethers with their families. I'm sorry, for their peaceful protests or their turkey funerals, the funeral services. That's, that's I'm, I'm sorry, I have to put it the proper way so that you don't get in trouble. I don't want you to get in trouble. Now, if you're having a peaceful protest, that's fine. And if you're having a funeral service for that beloved pet turkey, that's okay too. But we make make sure you're you're doing everything according to the book. Okay, just just be wise. <laughs> Save me some dressing. It's a <laughs> we're looking forward to a great uh, weekend. Uh, just a little uh, a little programming note: no podcast. This Friday, this is the last one for the week. It's a holiday week. We're going to take the rest of the week off and uh, just enjoy time with family and friends and uh, take a breather during the insanity that is this election season. And if anything bizarre happens that uh, needs to be passed along, it'll get passed along. Okay. I'll still be active on social media. So you can look for me on Facebook, on Twitter, on uh, Parler, and on MeWe. All four places, I'll be sharing little tidbits that I find as I find them and making observations and letting you know about things that are happening and uh, hopefully keeping you abreast of what's true and what's not true. And speaking of what is not true, here is something that is not true. At least it's not true for the United States. And um, I think it's interesting that this has come out. And I don't know why this particular outlet felt the need to release this information because I've double checked it. I've looked into it and it's just not true. Uh, you may have seen this yourself in your scanning of social media. And that is that, uh, that YouTube has suspended one American news network OAN. The, uh, that there was a letter from Democrat senators calling upon YouTube to ban channels, spreading election misinformation. Well, you can go, at least I can go right now over to YouTube and look, and OAN is still there, and all their videos play. 
I saw this story pop up yesterday and I checked then and it was the same then as it is now. Now this outlet, uh, rebelnews.com is based in Canada and I, I, I'm not sure if I'm really not sure if, uh, if they've got some bad information or what, but they provide a link. Let me bring this link up here to a letter. Um, actually it's, it goes right to, uh, uh, menendez.senate.gov, uh, to, <clears throat> to Robert Menendez, Robert Menendez's office. And, um, the letter is there pleading with YouTube to take, to take rebel news down. And, uh, hang on a second. Let me, uh, are they mentioned by name specifically? I'm looking to see if I see the, the term, the, the name rebel news. Um, Hmm. Uh, well, it's just about prolifer the proliferation of misinformation, but I don't see a specific name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, no, there is not a specific name of any YouTube provider in this letter. So I'm thinking that probably what's happened here is that uh, rebel news in Canada has posted something that's absolutely bogus, but that doesn't stop these things from being passed along this kind of stuff gets passed along a lot. And I, Dave and I, on the old, on the Mark and Mac show, we used to remind you from time to time to check on stories before you spread them around. And I almost shared this yesterday on my uh, social media feeds because, well, that's just crazy. That's nuts. Why would they, this is people are turning to OAN right now because they can't trust Fox news anymore because, because they're doing what's right. Now, <laughs> Fox News is doing what's right, <laughs> which means that they're no longer letting you decide. They're deciding. And so people don't trust Fox News anymore, and they're looking for other outlets. And OAN has been there for a while. So they're looking to OAN for accurate news reporting. And it would it would be about par for the course to see somebody slam them down and, and try to shut them down on YouTube where you could go watch their stories. That would make sense, but it's not true. So you have to check into things before you spread stories like this. Otherwise you're spreading disinformation, misinformation, and you're getting people all stirred up over something that just happens to not be the case. Another example is the, uh, the thing that you've been seeing on, on social media, primarily on Facebook about Facebook shutting down the Lord's prayer. Anytime you post the Lord's prayer, they're going to kill it. You're not going to be able to post it. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's actually a Lord's prayer, Facebook page. There's a page and it's still up right now. There's a Lord's prayer, Facebook page, and people are posting the Lord's prayer on Facebook and it's not getting shut down. It's just one of those, one of those cyber rumors that people go, I've got to tell everybody I know about this. This is horrible. And then they send it out to everybody and don't check to see if it's true. So please, before you pass this kind of crap along, make sure it's real. Because the last thing we need on the conservative, on the conservative side of the world is for people to get all worked up over things that aren't true. We're seeing this happen with more and more disturbing regularity as people get all wired up about things that, that actually don't, 
they don't turn out to be real. They don't turn out to be true. They're, they're just bogus stories. And many of these bogus stories are intended for the purpose of, of riling people up, getting them stirred up and getting them distracted from what really is true. Because a lot of people get angry about things and they just want something done. Doggone it. We've got to do something about this. And if you get those people all stirred up, they will get consumed with their anger and righteous indignation. And then they get humiliated for not having their facts straight. And unfortunately, this seems to happen quite a bit. And it's a very sad thing to watch happen. So please get your facts straight before you start spreading news. Trust me, there's enough information out there, enough true weirdness out there, enough bizarre stuff out there without falling for stuff like this. And all it takes is literally less than a minute to find out the truth. In most cases, just use a little time and a little wisdom. That's what I did yesterday. I just went to YouTube and searched OEN and, oh, look, they're there. All their stories are there. Let's click on this one and see if it plays. <gasps> well, what do you know? It plays. And that's really all you have to do. Now, when we're faced with the weirdness of reality, well, there's plenty for us to get focused on and to raise a hand and say, um, wait a minute about, for example, um, there's a story that I'm about to present to you right now. It's just more proof that we have been lied to. We have been deceived and we've been manipulated by the news media and by politicians and by a political party and by fraudsters. When you look at the statistics of the vote that we've just been through this election, we can see that the statistics show us that there actually was manipulation of the ballot going on. And no less than Dick Morris, the man who, who uh, got, to, got Bill Clinton um, elected in, uh, in Arkansas and then moved on to help him win the presidency. Dick Morris has looked at this. And he's come up with some interesting observations. There was a huge increase in turnout in the key Democratic cities in these swing states that are now being litigated. For example, in Phoenix, there were 48% more votes cast in 2020 than in 2012. Now, the population of Phoenix did rise by 14% in that period, but there were 48% more votes. In Atlanta, it grew by 9%, and there were 30% more votes. In Detroit, where there was no population gain whatsoever, in fact, there was a little loss, somehow 50,000 more people voted, a 10% increase. And the only way that that increase can be found, can be justified, is by ballot stuffing. Uh, the other, the non-democratic cities didn't realize that kind of a gain. Uh, and uh, even cities like New York and Chicago that were not in swing states didn't realize that kind of a gain. It was pure ballot stuffing with absentee and mail-in ballots. It's pretty wild. And again, the passion for Obama, I mean, look, people, uh, he was a charismatic guy. People, uh, a lot of people liked him, even people who disagreed with him. 
Um, they just there's not that passion for Joe Biden. Uh, let's face it. Is it is it possible, you know, surprising to me, but there are people who don't like Donald Trump that somehow that spiked the turnout or is that well, ridiculous? No, no, sure it did. But uh, that's why there were 150 million people voting this year and only 135 million voted last time. Uh, but the uh, but but in these particular cities in these particular states, where uh, where Biden won by eighty thousand in one state or twenty in another state, uh, these kind of spikes in turnout are indicative of ballot stuffing. Uh, they're indicative of. I mean, the Secretary of State of Michigan sent out seven point seven million absentee ballots and uh, got huge numbers back. And that permitted them to stuff the ballot with phony ballots. 200,000 absentee ballots in Pennsylvania alone uh, that were counted. Well, meanwhile, and, these states are kind of in a rush. Georgia, we saw on Friday, to certify these things, even with all of these problems. Um, did you hear, well, by the way, Jenna Ellis said they're not pursuing anything related to dom dom Dominion voting systems? If uh, Ms. Powell wants to pursue it, fine, but that's not going to be something they're they're focusing well, on that makes a lot of sense uh i think dominion needs to be investigated i think they may well have flipped this result in key places but uh it's going to be hard to make that case because it's so technical in, in the time period involved now i hope the senate does hearings on dominion we can get to the bottom of that but in terms of this result you could just do it through old-fashioned math and old-fashioned legal arguments and the legal argument basically is that if you lived in Philadelphia and you failed to sign the outside of your ballot, they counted it. But if you lived in Harrisburg and you failed to sign the outside of the ballot, out it went. Nobody counted it. And that was true in each of these states. And that, that's an argument that the votes in Philadelphia were counted he more heavily than the votes in Harrisburg. And that's an equal protection argument. I'm convinced they'll prevail on that. But the problem, Greg, is what do you do about it? Do you throw out the whole election because of it? It's going to be hard to do. Do you throw out the ballots that were conceivably illegal because they were after a deadline or there weren't Republicans? Well, you can, but then you're throwing the election into the House of Representatives. And I think the Supreme Court may be institutionally incapable of doing that. It's one of the points I made in the podcast with you that the judges care about the court more than they do about the election. And they don't want the court to be the object of everybody rioting and demonstrating and going crazy and the Democrats trying to pack it. And they may well want to keep the court out of harm's way. Well, Co Amy Coney Barrett made a big point about how that's not supposed to be her concern. Uh, they're not supposed to worry about stuff like that. I remember her saying that. Uh, but it's interesting. And you pointed this out that when Rudy Giuliani was speaking to the nation and so many people were taking shots at him, laughing at him because of whatever, the hair. He was making some brilliant constitutional points that just about everybody missed. This 14th Amendment stuff and Pennsylvania, this has, this has real merit. Yep. Yeah, I mean, basically, elections are the province of state governments. And the federal government only becomes involved when the states do something that opposes the 14th Amendment and the Constitution. 
and equal protection of the laws was the basis for the Bush v. Gore outcome being adjudicated, uh, because voters in some counties had their votes counted differently than voters in other counties, and with the chads or how well they filled it in or all that kind of stuff. And the same argument applies here, uh, but it's applying here in five or six states, whereas there it was just one state. And there it is, Dick Morris, spelling out how it's obvious that there was ballot stuffing going on in these key Democrat cities. And I, the, the word ballot stuffing, it's, a, it's kind of an old school term, but it means the same thing that we've been talking about, was that they were artificially inflating the vote for Joe Biden by various means in key Democrat cities. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast for Tuesday, or Wednesday, or someday. It's Wednesday, 25th of November, 2020. Yeah, you, you caught me multitasking again. It's a uh, it's a midweek edition. Actually, it's the end of the week as far as I'm concerned, because uh, as I told you a little while ago, no podcast. No podcast coming up on Friday. Going to do some family stuff. Take it easy. Sleep late. Eat too much. You know, the usual. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm looking over what there is to talk about today. Uh, we've got a, uh, a story from a uh, one of the canvassers in Michigan, one of the officials in Michigan who, you know, cast the vote about certifying the vote and uh, about how he's held out and, and what's prompted him to hold out and what's happened. And that's an interesting story. Uh, also I've got something coming from the media research council, media research center. It's an interesting story about, uh, how the media, the news media didn't cover certain stories and the impact it actually had on the election. Jenna Ellis has something to say about, uh, about Joe Biden's cabinet choices. <laughs> And we may even get beyond that today. We'll see how far we got we get along the, the the path here. There was I've got one that I really want to share with you. It's in the show notes today, even though it's not it, it, it may not make the podcast. You know, I'm talking with my hands and I'm hitting the microphone. It may not make it into the podcast, but it will be in show notes today. So make sure you grab the show notes at uh, dailyperspectivepodcast.com. Uh, this, this one is about, uh, 10 of the wild conspiracy theories, the left and the news media has tarred Trump with for more than four years, just conspiracy theories. None of them have any basis in truth, but you heard about these things, but you didn't hear anything about Joe Biden and the stuff that's, that's actually substantive. And there's actual provable, <laughs> there's, there's evidence, there's stuff going on with Joe Biden, but you don't hear anything about him. But you do hear all of the the rumor and conspiracy theories about Donald Trump, and, and it's a sad, it's a very sad testimony to the state of the news media in America today. It really is. Now back over to Michigan uh, on Monday, coming to us from Newsmax.com. On Monday, Norm Shrinkle drew national attention as the lone member of the Michigan Board of Canvassers who abstained from voting 
to certify the state's 16 electoral votes for Joe Biden. But the vote of Shrinkle, a, a uh, Shrinkle, that is, a Williamston attorney and 8th District Republican chairman, came after what he called a whole string of anonymous calls threatening my family and me and 20 to 30 protesters on my front lawn Saturday night. The mentality here was whoever threatens the most wins. That's what he told Newsmax on Monday evening, soon after the six-hour meeting of the board of canvassers. He goes on to say, and I was Dr. Evil to the left wing. Days before this vote, Schinkel made clear his desire to vote to delay certification pending a complete audit of the 5.5 million votes cast November 3rd in the Water Wonderland. But he told Newsmax on Saturday, quote, I need the evidence of errors in the vote count, and I need it in 48 hours. Schinkel said he, was, he has carefully watched those affiliated with President Donald Trump's legal team, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, former Kansas Attorney General Phil Klein, and I want to see what they have in terms of hard evidence, he says. Lacking the desired evidence, he abstained to vote. The other Republicans on the board of canvassers, the other Republican State House Republican caucus attorney Aaron von Langenveld, voted with the two Democrats to certify the outcome of the election. The two Democrats are Jeanette Bradshaw, recording secretary of the Internal Brotherhood of Electoral, Electrical Workers, Local 58, She's a good union member, you know that. And Macomb County Commissioner Julie Matizak, the former political director of the American Federation of Teachers. What do you know, another union. By the time he sat down with the board on Monday, Schinkel says he had received more than 40 telephone calls and 7,000 emails, most of them calling on him to certify the votes for Biden, and many of those were threatening the calls and emails he believed were quote most likely orchestrated by the state democratic party and labor unions shinkle shinkle also believes that the public comments that were skyped and zoomed into the meeting before the vote were completely orchestrated by the left nearly all of the participants warning against a vote not to certify used the exact words disenfranchising black and brown voters. Those words were used by almost all of them. And that was a clear sign that it was all scripted. He emphasized to Newsmax, he still has many questions about the Dominion Voting Systems Company, whose voting machines are used in much of the state, and about the role of the Rock the Vote Democrat turnout apparatus. Before the vote, Schenkel read a strong statement denouncing liberal Democrat and Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson and calling for an investigation of illegal voting in the 2020 Michigan election and a plan to fix the system. In so doing, he echoed a similar call from Senate, uh, state Senate Republican leader Mike Shirky. As for the threatening phone messages, Schenkel told Newsmax, quote, the ones that mentioned my wife and children or said we know where you live, I turned those over to the police. So, as is typical when someone stands against the left, the left threatens violence. And this man saw it happen by the thousands. He, this guy, is standing firm. He's being brave. 
He's looking for some hard evidence. And I know right now we've talked about this before hard evidence right now is something that's difficult to put out there because the real hard incriminating evidence needs to be preserved for the courtroom. It needs to be preserved for the actual trial process. I went over this in depth the other day. The reason for not presenting evidence yet is because you don't present evidence to the court of public opinion and the news media because the news media being leftist will then do everything it can to research and debunk what you have. And if they can't find anything to debunk what you have, they'll start debunking you. They'll distract from you. They'll find ways to move the story a different direction and make the story not about your actual cause, but about something else and pull the attention and the focus away from what's truly important. And then there is rock the vote. There's Dominion, Dominion Voting Systems, which, by the way, they, they, all these people are taking their bios off of LinkedIn. A couple of hundred people have done that so far. Most of them don't seem to work here in the United States. The offices that they did share in Canada with a Soros entity, they, they from what I understand, they've shut up, uh, shut up there and can't be found. And they have they've decided not to meet with people to talk about what's really going on in public. And they've lawyered up. And then there's Rock the Vote, which accessed actually accessed polling information and data that they legally were not supposed to be able to get into. But that's a different story. More after the break. Sliding into the second half of today's podcast. You know, this morning I posted to social media something I commented about the other day. And I just decided this morning, I just need to illustrate this so that you understand. And it's not new. It's been bumping around for several days. And I really started thinking about it and, you know, just really focusing on it because just the other day because it's not something that's really at the top of my stack to be bothered about because it's something I've been seeing coming and probably you have too. And, and that is the, the gradual shift over at Fox news from a place that is trustworthy to a place that is not trustworthy. And what makes the difference is in how they, how they deliver what they deliver. In, in the earlier days, Fox News used to say that their presentation was this. We report, you decide. In other words, we're just going to deliver the information to you because you should be able to make up your own mind. You should be able to, to decide what is right and what is not right. Right? Right. So, <laughs> so the... The thing is that now their slogan is standing up 
for what's right. Standing up for what's right. It used to be we report, you decide. Now guess who decides? It's not you. It's not you at all. And that's really sad. It's really sad. Because you no longer are trusted to sift through information and decide and discern. Someone else has to do that for you. Now Fox News reports what they decide what you should know and what you should think. They've joined the ranks of CNN, MSNBC, and the rest of the progressive news media. Some of the faces may be the same, but the gradual shift from trustworthy information outlet to progressive propaganda purveyor is almost complete. Almost. We're even seeing shifts in in Tucker Carlson. He's approaching things from odd perspectives, possibly to appease the higher-ups at Fox News. It, it's disturbing. It's unsettling. It's sad. And I hate that it's happening. Absolutely hate that this is happening. Some on Fox News have always been political monsters. They've been, they've been one step out of the swamp. People like Laura Ingram. Now, please don't get me wrong. I, I, I love Laura's, Laura Ingram. I love her take on many things. Her perspective, uh, having clerked for a Supreme Court justice, having, having the experience that she has, the background that she has, the knowledge that she has, I think her perspective is important. As long as you remember that she eats, breathes, sleeps, politics. It's all about politics. And when your brain is wired for politics, you see things through that lens all the time, and you don't see things from other perspectives. And as long as you remember that, then you can watch and take in that information, and then you filter it as you no, you should. So from time to time, Laura Ingram will come up. She's actually doing it now where she's, she's basically given up on the Trump effort and given up on Donald Trump and given up on the poss- the, the, the process, the legal process of challenging the vote. And she's basically just decided that Joe Biden is going to be the next president as have most of the talking heads on ta- on Fox news. Most, not all, but most. They've just decided it's an, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. There is a process playing out right now. It may not play out to the, the end result that you or I want, but there is a process playing out and to negate that process and just say, well, he's going to be president and to refer to Joe Biden as president elect is to surrender. And that's not correct. And that surrender comes from being steeped in politics and Basically, the tradition of politics. It's a dangerous thing. A very dangerous thing. And the news media has to be watched very carefully, very closely. And we have to keep our brains engaged. We have to make sure that we're not being deceived. 
And one way to do that is to seek out information from other sources. The Media Research Center, Brent Bozell's operation, is a great, great place to seek other information. And there's a report on the Media Research Center right now, and I'm going to play you the audio from it, about how the news media on the whole actually helped steal the 2020 presidency. Listen close. The link will be in show notes so you can actually watch the video for yourself. But I want you to listen closely to what Brittany Hughes has to say. Left-wing news media didn't just poison the country with their incessantly negative coverage of President Trump going into the 2020 election. They also refused to give airtime to important arguments of the Republican campaign, covering up stories that weren't flattering to Biden and ignoring anything that shone a positive light on the Trump administration. So by the time Election Day rolled around, millions of voters cast their ballots knowing only what the media had allowed them to. The Media Research Center asked the polling company to survey 1,750 Biden voters across seven swing states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, six of which were won by Biden. We asked these voters about eight important news stories from before the election, from the Hunter Biden scandal to the economy and Trump's foreign policy, all things the media should have covered fairly, and all issues that should have informed voters on which candidate to choose. What we found was that a shocking majority of Biden voters, 82% in fact, were unaware of at least one of these key stories, with 5% saying they didn't know about any of them. They've abdicated all of their professional responsibilities. We've shown it in this study. We've shown it in eight different cases, in all eight of them that we looked at, in every single one, the media censorship succeeded in helping Joe Biden get elected. In every single one, it was done deliberately by the press. They deliberately covered it up. Not only that, we found that if the media had done their job and reported the news fairly, not only would Biden likely have lost nearly every single swing state, it wouldn't have even been close. You want to know how to rig an election? This is how. The media just did it. And we can prove it. Our survey found more than one-third of Biden voters were unaware of the serious sexual assault allegations brought against Joe Biden by Tara Reid, a former staffer who accused him of assaulting her when she worked for him back in the 1990s. When similar allegations were brought against then-SCOTUS nominee Brett Kavanaugh, the media ran with it for weeks. But when they came out against Joe Biden, we got silence. And here's why. Nearly one in 10 of those Biden voters told us that if they had known about Reid's claim, they would have changed their vote. And it doesn't stop there, not by a mile. 45% of Biden voters, that's almost half, said they were unaware of the financial scandal involving Biden and his son Hunter, a story that was literally censored by Twitter and Facebook and was outright ignored by the media. Now this was a bombshell revelation. It was a made-for-TV story about foreign energy companies, backdoor deals, and corruption in the second highest office in the country. It raised credible questions about whether Biden had abused his power as then vice president for the financial gain of his family. And almost half of those who voted for him said they didn't even know about it. 9% said that if they had, they would have changed their vote. That swing would have flipped all six battleground states won by Biden, giving Trump a total of 311 electoral votes. And it's not just stories about Biden that the media ignored. They also suppressed just about every notable achievement that Trump made over the past four years, including a historic economic boom, record low unemployment numbers, and U.S. victories on the global stage. 
The five pre-election job reports from June 5th to October 2nd showed a record 11,161,000 jobs were created in the extraordinary snapback from the pandemic recession. But 40% of Biden voters told us they didn't know about this achievement. If they had, 5% said they would have changed their vote. This would have swung Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin to Trump, who would have won with 295 electoral votes. More than 43% of Biden supporters said they had no idea that Trump had brokered historic peace deals between Israel and several Arab countries, for which the president has now been nominated three times for a Nobel Peace Prize. If they had known, 5% said they'd have changed their vote, again, swinging Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, and landing Trump at 295 electoral votes. Nearly half of all Biden supporters said they didn't know the government had just reported a huge jump in economic growth, 33% on an annual basis, and double the previous record. More than half told us that they didn't know Trump's energy policies had led America to becoming a net exporter of oil for the first time. And despite the fact that the media has spent the last year slamming Trump for the coronavirus, which originated in China, more than one in three Biden voters said they didn't know that the administration had helped speed up the development of a coronavirus vaccine through Operation Warp Speed, which has already helped at least four companies develop an immunization with as high as a 95% efficacy rate and which could be distributed as early as December. If the media had done their jobs, and reported fairly on even one of these issues, this election would have looked totally different. Our poll found that a total of 17% of Biden's voters told us that they would have changed their vote if they had been aware of one or more of these important stories. This would have moved every one of the swing states into Trump's column, some by a huge margin. The president would have trounced Biden in the electoral college 311 to 227. And that's exactly what the media did not want, what they could not allow. You want to know how to rig an election? By doing exactly what they just did. By spreading fake news. By only reporting part of the story and ignoring anything that doesn't fit the prescribed narrative. By hiding information from voters so that it doesn't damage the candidate that they had already crowned. The most basic principle of our electoral system is that our leaders are chosen by the people. But if the people are given systematically one-sided information with crucial facts omitted, then the real power to choose has been stolen from them. And that is exactly what happened in 2020. Go to newsbusters.org to learn more about our poll and how the media rigged the 2020 election. I'm Brittany Hughes, and you're watching MRC TV. And there you hear the process and what actually happens when people know the truth. The percentages of people who would not have voted the way they did had they known the whole story about Joe Biden and his liabilities and what Trump has actually accomplished. Because so many people don't know all the facts. And the reason they don't know all the facts is because the news media has chosen not to tell them what they need to know to make informed decisions. Which goes back to not reporting the facts and letting the people decide. They're just programming the vote. One more segment and then we're out of here for the holiday. So let's take care of a couple of things here. Moving over to pjmedia.com, Matt Margolis has a story. 
about Jenna Ellis's uh, take on Biden picking a cabinet. A cabinet. And I, if you've been paying attention, you've seen some pretty scary people. People he's picking. People from the old Obama administration. He's basically going to just walk us back into the failing days of the Obama administration. That's what he's going to do. That's scary. All of the repair, all of the success, all of the the moving forward and upward that's happened in the last four years will be erased. And quickly. Trump voters hoping that enough evidence of fraud will be presented and prove Trump to be the legitimate victor of the election may feel a bit anxious after the results of the election were certified in Michigan and Pennsylvania. And the GSA beginning providing assistance for Biden's team to aid in his presidential transaction a transition. By the way, I, we talked about that yesterday. It wasn't an admission that he's won. It's just like a formality, just going through the going through the motions. And they they even acknowledge it's not over yet. Um, but don't fret. Trump himself seemed to dismiss the significance of this. "Quote: What does GSA being allowed to to preliminarily work with the Democrats have to do with continuing to pursue our various cases on what will go down as the most corrupt election in American political history?" We're, move, we're moving full speed ahead. We'll never concede to fake ballots and dominion, President Trump tweeted Monday evening. <laughs> and then yesterday morning, he tweeted, Remember, the GSA has been terrific, and Emily Murphy's done a great job. But the GSA does not determine who the next president of the United States will be. Trump's senior legal advisor, Jenna Ellis, also appeared on Newsmax TV, Newsmax TV uh, Tuesday, yesterday, assuring Trump supporters that the legal battles will continue. She said, there are still legal challenges going on, and Biden is not president-elect, and the delegates have not even been selected, much less voted. And the next president for the next four years will be sworn in on January 20th, 2021. And the current president, President Trump, is very much aware of that. And so he's focused on the actual constitutional procedures and actually making sure to safeguard election integrity. He's not out there, you know, just trying this in the court of public opinion and saying things like Joe Biden and ultimately that ultimately do not matter. She also cited a tweet from President Trump explaining his decision to let the GSA do their job in following protocols in assisting with the transition, even as the results await legal challenges. She also expressed disappointment in Michigan and Pennsylvania certifying their results, but explained, of course, we were hoping the states would not certify their inaccurate results. And that's a process. It's like entering into a contract where that is a, a procedural step. But a court can undo that and say, you know what? That's invalid or that's illegal. That's void for various legal reasons. So that's just one procedural step, and I'm very grateful that the Michigan legislature is going to provide the opportunity for a bipartisan hearing that will be fully transparent because they're very concerned about election integrity. She also reacted to media stories about Biden picking individuals to serve as in, in his administration. And she said, all this media chatter of Joe Biden picking his cabinet is like fantasy football. It's meaningless in the real game. <laughs> She's absolutely right. It is meaningless in the real game. Now I've teased this a couple of times and I'm going to run through this quickly because I don't have a heck of a lot of time left here, less than, less than eight minutes, but I wanted you to, to get the gist of this story from pjmedia.com by Victoria Taft about the, the just 10, not all of them. This is just 10 of many 
wild conspiracy theories the leftists and the media have been have been floating out about Donald Trump for more than four years. The uh, the deranged Russian spy in the White House told the Ukraine president to drink Clorox and refuses to leave his illegal office until every blue mailbox is filled with secret messages to very fine white supremacists in Prague is removed by incontinent hookers. Wait, what? And other whoppers the media trolled Donald Trump with for the past four years. Plus, speaking of trolls, the so-called fact-checkers are advised that this is satire. That is protected speech. Look it up. The left and their media wingmen have decided that after four years of believing Russian Facebook ads interfered with the 2016 election, that it's absolutely a deranged conspiracy theory for the president to question the odd results of the 2020 election and the way they were produced. If the shoe had been on the other foot, the media's candidate, Joe Biden, would be lauded for his patriotism and fortitude between his ever-diminishing bouts of clarity. When the media turned on the big-talking and sometimes bellicose New Yorker, they turned on him and began reporting that he was a suspected Russian secret agent, Trump flipped it right back, dismissing them as fake news. They rewarded the big-talking candidate with, what do they like to say now? Oh, yeah, giving agency to some of the biggest whoppers ever conceived of by reporters and their buddies over at the Lincoln Project. Hillary Clinton's rumor factory and the DNC. Let's take a rambling trip down the memory lane of the steel dossier fever dreams, highly placed sources and Rick Wilson's fantasies, Shall we? These are the 10 biggest conspiracy theories leveled against Trump. Not in any particular order. Number one, Trump is a Russian spy. <laughs> Vladimir Putin cultivated, supported and directed Donald Trump years before he thought about running for the presidency. CNN kept this fiction going long after the uh, inspector general's report proved it was a whopper. This was the Russian hoax put forward, as we later found out by Hillary Clinton, using Russians to trump up opposition research and call it a dossier. The Steele dossier was a series of memos told by a guy who later admitted it was drunken bar talk and sold to the media as evidence <laughs> to the gullible and unthinking Adam Schiff. What a moron. Number two, Trump colluded with the Russians to win the Trump white, win Trump the White House. Uh, Congressman Adam Schiff promised he had evidence. Remember? Evidence. I have evidence. I've seen the evidence of Trump's collusion with the Russians to intervene in a very close election to propel President Trump to the White House. These claims were amplified by the media, willing to believe that Trump threw the 2016 election, but unwilling to entertain the allegations of foreign interference in the 2020 election. Number three, Trump was not legally elected, and he, he never plans to leave. Now, before the president took office, anti- and never-Trumpers declared themselves to be the resistance. Remember, Hillary Clinton headed that up. House Judiciary Committee member New York Congressman Jerry the Weeble Nadler said that Trump, the Weeble, that's my words, uh, th that Trump was not a legal president and helped draw up impeachment articles before he was sworn in. Dozens of Democrats in the House boycotted his inauguration and in 2019 hillary clinton proclaimed trump an illegitimate president so much for that whole peaceful transfer of power thing the new yorker fanned the flames of the resistance by announcing that the president was initiating a coup and wouldn't leave office for at least three terms number four trump told putin to hack hillary's email to win the election 
<laughs> Candidate Trump in July of 2016 joked in a news conference, hey, Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 Hillary Clinton emails that are missing. It was a rueful joke because the Secretary of State's 33,000 emails sought by the House Select Committee on Benghazi on her personal server had been destroyed by her and her staff. Although Hillary's email destruction gambit is often conflated with the DNC hack, they're not the same thing. The hack of the Democratic National Committee's emails, which were splayed on the web supposedly by WikiLeaks, was allegedly done by Russian GRU officers via phishing emails. In fact, a declassified leak of a handwritten memo by then-CIA chief John Brennan revealed that it was Hillary Clinton's campaign that began the Trump is a Russian spy story to draw attention away from her email scandal. I go back and look at number one. Number five, Donald Trump paid hookers to urinate on a bed because Obama. This was another steel whopper. His source must have been really drunk by this time. The story was leaked to the press that Trump hired hookers to come to an FSB-controlled hotel to deliver golden showers on a hotel bed in Moscow solely because the Obamas had slept in it. The hotel had been known to have microphones and concealed cameras. Strangely, those wired rooms never produced any compromising photos or recordings. Yet, this was part of the Hillary Clinton opposition research that then-FBI Director James Comey briefed Trump about. The briefing, believed leaked to CNN, gave them a reason to report on the ridiculous dossier. Number six, Trump sent his attorney to Prague to meet with Kremlin officials. This meeting did not occur. Michael Cohen, Trump's attorney, had never been to Prague. This matters because it was one of the few things the media could have confirmed about Steele's dossier, but they never did. Number seven, Trump called white supremacists very fine people. Never underestimate the media's penchant for believing anything negative about President Trump. President Trump never called the Charlottesville neo-Nazis marching in the streets very fine people. He was referring to both sides arguing over the issue of getting rid of Confederate-era statues. The quote from USA Today, fact check, says this. Excuse me, excuse me, they didn't put themselves, and you, you had some very bad people in that group, you all, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides, you're changing history. You're changing the, the culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally, but you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists. Joe Biden claimed that this statement, which never occurred, prompted him to run for president. President Trump has routinely denounced white supremacy and racists because the media continually ask him to, believing this conspiracy theory see Chris Wallace. And there's more. There are three more of these points. I'm not going to even try to get into the rest of them right now, but you can check it out for yourself in the show notes today at dailyperspectivepodcast.com. There's a lot of crap out there that people believe to be true. And it's up to you and I, going back to the beginning of the podcast today, to do a quick, simple search to find out if things are true or not. If you do that, you find out what really is true. God bless you. Have a great weekend. I'm thankful for you, by the way. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you back here next Monday. Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.